Bibles, go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. I'm going to start with verse 8 for sake of time. Um, Luke chapter 2 and verse number 8. Let's go ahead and stand one last time, stretch our legs, um, but do it in reverence to the Word of God. Luke chapter 2, starting with verse number 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for, Lord, the wonderful, wonderful story of your birth. Thank you for coming, Lord, as a babe in a manger who one day would sacrifice himself as the Lamb of God for the sins of the world. Thank you for that. Thank you for rising three days later. Thank you for conquering uh, uh, sin. Thank you for conquering death and hell. Thank you, Lord, that you are exactly who you said you were. I pray that tonight, Lord, as we look at this verse and others, that our hearts would be touched and that we would see some very simple truths concerning you. Heavenly Father, I ask this all in your Son's name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. I was given a news bulletin, a church here in La Crosse, um, and thought I'd mention this. Um, the title of their service next Sunday is All You Need Is Love. Come worship and sing with God, Christ, and the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, amen. So I got a kick out of that. I was <laughs> next Sunday, that's at up in lacrosse. I'm not going to tell you where because some of you will go. And I'm, I'm joking, but I, I got a kick out of that, man. That's, that's, <laughs> that's new for church. I don't know. I don't know what else you're going you're gonna to do with that, but. This passage of Scripture, of course, is the Christmas story. It's the most complete Christmas story in the Bible. You'll find the other one over in Matthew chapter 1, but really you don't find much about the birth of Christ over in the, that chapter. Matthew 1, 18 through 25, it talks about uh, Joseph and Mary and, and, and what they would name the child. And then it picks up with chapter 2 where we have the wise men coming and seeking him, and we'll look at that in several minutes. But in Luke chapter 2, and 1 and 2, we have by far the most complete story of the birth of Christ. And I hope you were able to take a little time over the last several days and sit down and read that with your family and, and just rejoice over the fact that Christ came and uh, humbled himself, took upon him the, the form of a man, and praise God, what a, what a wonderful Savior he is. But um, I got to thinking about this, and I got to thinking about what happened during the life of Christ. Um, and very simply, I, I wondered how would I react to Christ if I had been in those other people's shoes. And 
folks, as we see through the life of Jesus, through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, so many different reactions to Christ. So many different reactions. And uh, tonight I want to bring up a few of those, and I want you to, to think about it a bit, because I, I think sometimes in our so-called Christianity, we get very caught up into some things, and we need to take a step back and look at how we would react to Him. Number one tonight, I would ask this, how would we react to Christ? Number one, would we be playing a game? Folks, some of us treat life like it's a joke. We live it up like there's no tomorrow. The problem is, is tomorrow is coming whether you like it or not. And make sure you don't ruin it with today. You say, well, well how do you know there's going to be a tomorrow? Folks, I know there's going to be a tomorrow for one simple fact. Even if the rapture takes place tonight... <laughs> Tomorrow's still coming. If God takes my life tonight, tomorrow for me is coming in eternity. If I wake up tomorrow morning, tomorrow came. Tomorrow is coming whether you like it or not. And, and folks, I'd beg you to realize life is not a joke. Life is not a game. Life is not to be taken like the rich man who said, eat, drink, and be merry. Who cares? <laughs> I'm going to tear my old barns down and build greater because I've got forever to live. You don't have forever to live. But my friend, understand something tonight. Don't live life like it's a game. It's not. If you do that, you're playing with the most dangerous thing that you've ever played with. It's more dangerous than playing with fire, kids. Don't play with the life. Life is precious. Life is a gift. Life means something. And I'm not just talking about taking one's life prematurely. I am talking about the simple fact that some of us do not give 10 seconds thought to what our life means. Folks, life is something special. Are we playing a game? You know, I got to thinking about something that had happened 10 years ago. Y2K, you remember that? My wife and I moved here, and it's kind of entertaining. Almost January 8th will be 10 years here for Debbie and I. We'll have been at, at Bible Baptist Church serving on staff in, in one capacity or another for 10 years. And it's hard to believe 10 years has gone that quickly. But about 10 years ago, about this time, we were looking to sell our trailer house. When we had gotten married a couple months prior, I'd had the grand idea to buy a trailer house, and I did so, and we lived there for, for not quite a couple years, but we enjoyed it and had a big time and painted everything and did all sorts of stupid projects and a lot of stories I could tell, but, but we were kind of desperate to sell this stupid trailer I'd bought. Where had we moved, or were we, we were just getting ready to move, weren't we? It was the week we were getting ready to move, and I got a phone call, a phone call from a dad. His father was, or I'm sorry, his son was in the same Bible college that I was. And his father called me and said, I heard you got a trailer for sale. I said, that's right. And he said, what do you want for it? And, and his son was a freshman that year. And normally freshmen, Samantha, pay attention, don't fall in love in the first couple of months and get married. Amen, Brother Moore? Amen. All right, come on. I'm, I'm trying to throw something out for you, all right? Trying to throw a bone. Um, I don't mean that in a negative way. All right? But, but he called me and he said, my son got married over Christmas break. And he started to tell me a story about how his son had come to college, Bible college, and met Mrs. Perfect, or Miss Perfect, made her Mrs. Perfect the night before January 1st. They were worried that the world was going to end on Y2K. And they wanted to have one day of marriage before it all ended. I'm not making this up. You can, you can ask my wife afterwards. This is, this is the, the gospel truth. 
And he said, he, and he was a very, very transparent father. His heart was broken, not, not because of who he'd married, just because of how it had transpired. They, they had eloped. They had come back to college, and he had gone to the guy's dorm, and she had gone to the girl's dorm, and they didn't tell anybody for about four days. And finally, mom and dad found out, the, the administration found out, and it was a big mess. And they ended up buying our trailer, and the Lord worked it out for us. I don't ever really know how it turned out for them. I talked to them one time after it. And, uh, but, folks, I thought, you know, are you playing a game? How silly. How silly to just do something on the spur of the moment. And I understand they thought the world was going to end. But, folks, it's not, all right? When, when God, God's going to give us prior warning, if you're born again, you'll be pulled up in the air before it all takes place. But, but I, I thought, you know what, sometimes we get so involved in, in our life, so self-involved, and we treat it like it's, like it means nothing. And friend, I, I'd, really, I'd really encourage you, you know, young people, you know what I'm talking about when you can, you can, you can push the reset button. Amen? You know, a lot of you have on your little computers, you can delete stuff and reset stuff and reboot things. Life doesn't work that way. Life is not a game. Life is real. And the mistakes and the things that you choose to do that are wrong, they'll follow you. They'll chase you and they'll hunt you. And I, I beg you, don't treat your life like it's a game. Number two, I, I wondered, how would we react to Christ? Number two, I thought to myself, would I just be performing a ritual? You know, there were a lot of people when Jesus came who were completely oblivious because they were just going through the motions. Almost without fail, the most religious people of the day totally ignored Jesus. And I wondered, you know, would we be guilty of just going through the motions that we have for, for years and years and years? And I, I do this because this is what grandma taught me or what mom taught me. Or I do that, you know, I go to this church or I do this or I, 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 I worship in this type of way because that's... Now, folks, I'm not against what grandma taught you and what mama taught you. But what I'm trying to tell you is, are you just going through the motions? Are you just kind of dead? You say, well, 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 you, you, you know, I, I love the Lord, you know, but, but folks, I think Nicodemus said the same thing. I think Nicodemus said, I love God, but he came to Jesus, and Jesus said, ye must be born again, and Nicodemus said, what? Well, that's just disgusting. Am I supposed to go into my mother's womb? Well, what kind of pervert are you? I mean, that's disgusting. What are you talking about, Jesus? I think Nicodemus legitimately was a good man. I think Nicodemus was a religious man. I think he was as good a person as you'd have ever met. But let me tell you this. Nicodemus was a guy just going through the motions. He was just living life and just oblivious to the fact that Christ was there. How would I react if Christ were... I, know, I got to thinking, because folks, sometimes you know, we, we say, well, well, I go to church and I read my Bible and I pray. Nicodemus did too. He did. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a great man. If we would have known him, we'd have said that man is an upstanding fellow in his community. And we'd have been right. But do you know Nicodemus did not realize who Christ was? He was just phew, gone. Now praise God he had the common sense to come and talk to the Messiah. But folks, he didn't even understand it at that point. Jesus opened his eyes. But tonight, I think we need to realize, hey, are we just oblivious? Are we just walking blindly through our Christian faith? 
I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm, I'm just asking, are you oblivious to what's going on? Are you just performing a ritual? Folks, I don't ever want this church to break down into just doing the same things every week. You know, we come to church and we sing a song. The pastor gets up and he has somebody pray and we read the announcements. We sing another song and then we sit down and the choir sings and, and, and then we sing one more. We sing a chorus. We shake hands and we go through the motions. We shake the same people's hands every week and, and, and we got our little ritual. And then we go back to our seats like, like sheep into a, in, into a cattle pen and then, and then we sing one more song. We sit down. You understand what I'm getting at? And never one time does a song touch our heart. Never one time does the word of God that's being preached touch our hearts. And we just go through the motions. Be real careful. You say, well, well, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Yes, you are doing what you're supposed to do. But folks, there's nothing real about it. Seriously, how sad would it be? You know, Tina, you're excited the Packers are in the playoffs. But how sad would it be to go every week, week in and week out, and sit in the same seat and talk to the same people and not even care about the game being played? And sometimes I feel that's what's happening in Christianity. You see, we don't even care about the big picture. We're just caught up in this little area, and this is what we do, and this is how we do it, and this is why we do it, because we've always done it that way. Well, wake up, folks. There's something going on. I mean, just don't get caught going through the ritual. You say, but, but isn't, isn't reading my Bible a good thing? It's a great thing. But for Pete's sakes, get something out of it. Well, isn't praying a good thing? Folks, if you've said the same prayer for 400 years, you're no better than the Pharisees or the Catholic who, Catholic who says his little rosary week in and week out. Well, I've got my little laundry list. God doesn't need a laundry list. God needs a living, breathing, human thinking being who's talking to him. You know, we've got our little list. I'm not against a list. I have a list in my office. But folks, sometimes we're guilty of saying, God bless this, God bless that, God bless this, God bless that, God bless that, bless, 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 help, 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 I'm done. Fellas, does that work on your wife? Why would you think it work on God? God doesn't want you to go through a ritual. God wants you to get a relationship with him. But this is the sad thing. Christ came and here was Christ and he was right there in front of his eyes and he didn't even know it. What well, tells me, how did Nicodemus react? He had a ritual. Christian tonight, is that how you'd react? You say, well, well, I, I, I just, I, I'm, just, I'm just used to doing it that way. Good, I'm glad. I, I don't have any problems with you having a routine and a schedule. I like a routine and a schedule. I think it's important. But what I fear is us falling into a ritual where we don't even think about it anymore. You don't do that with Christ. You don't do that with Christianity, my friend. Be so careful. Thirdly, I wondered, how would we react to Christ? I thought, would we be in it for our own benefit? Would I be in it for my own benefit. Folks, some people got involved with Christ because of what they could get. And I look at the broad spectrum of what we call Christianity, and not all of it is, but we use that term, and I see a lot of people that are in it for their own benefit. They're making a lot of money off of the name of Jesus Christ. A lot of them, and don't, don't, but a lot of them are charlatans and a bunch of hoaxers. 
they're making millions off the name of Christ. You see, I look at a man like Pilate. Do you know what Pilate did with Christ? See, Pilate, he looked at Jesus and he made this statement, what is truth? When the truth was standing in front of him and he rejected Christ, he, he's time and again said, I find no fault in this man at all. There's nothing wrong with what he's done. He has, there is no reason for him to be condemned. There, in fact, the Bible says that he knew that they had delivered him because they were envious of him. Pilate himself knew this. But do you know what Pilate did with Christ? He made a deal with the Jews because he was an unsecure ruler. Read history. He made a deal with Herod and they became friends. The Bible tells us they became friends and got to know each other through Christ's death. You know what he did? He made a profit at Christ's expense. And by the way, before you jump on Pilate too hard, you better realize there's a lot of people who proclaim the name of Christ today who are doing the very same thing. They're making a gain out of his name. Folks, understand this. You see, how would I react to Christ? You say, oh, I, I, I would love him and I'd adore him and I'd worship him. Before you get too arrogant and self-assured, hold on. I mentioned the story of Thomas this morning. I won't go into that, but let me mention the story of Peter. You all know it. Jesus was telling the story of how he would die and be buried, and Peter said, no, no, no. In fact, the Bible says he rebuked Jesus. <laughs> the apostle Peter, the man who preached at Pentecost, saw thousands of souls saved. He rebuked Jesus. Do you know what rebuke means? Participate, folks. Okay, we're going through the ritual right now. Help me out here. Talk harshly, but go even further. Deny, not quite denied. He did do that, but what does rebuke mean? If I rebuke you, what do I say? I say, you're wrong. Do you understand? Peter, look, Brother George, Peter looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, you are dead wrong. How dumb a person can you be? I mean, this was Peter. I got one laugh. Peter, Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, you're wrong. You're wrong. See, Peter, at that point in his life, had followed Christ partly because he thought he would get a gain out of it. He would make a profit. He said, I will follow you because you will make me a great man, Jesus. I will follow you because you can give me power and you can give me authority. And I have ulterior motives in serving you, Christ. You'll make something of me. Peter was a good man, by the way. Nicodemus was a good man, by the way. You say, well, uh, these men were flawed. Of course they were flawed. Folks, look in a mirror. We're all flawed. We all have issues. I'm trying to ask you tonight, how would we react to Christ if he were to appear? Now, I know he's not. The next time he appears, he's coming in the clouds, and he's going to blow the trumpet, and we're going to rise to meet him in the air. But I'm asking you, I want you to make you think tonight, how would we react to him? You see, we're so harsh on the people in the Bible, and we say, well, I can't believe that these people didn't believe. The problem is there's a lot of people today who claim to be Christians who are acting the same way as a bunch of these folks did. We're no better than they are. And folks, tonight we need to get a little vision. We need to get a little bit of, of, of peace of what went on. You see, some of us are guilty of treating life as a joke. 
Some of us are guilty of going through the ritual, going through the motions. Some of us are guilty of being in it for our own benefit. Fourthly, are we earnestly seeking the Savior? How would we react to Christ? Would I earnestly seek Him? In Luke chapter 2, the Bible says in verse 15, as soon as it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. They said, fellas, we just got told some real good news. Let's go now. Now. They left their sheep. They left their livelihood. They left their belongings. And they sought the Savior. Take your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. You see, folks, are we earnestly seeking him? You see, a lot of different people reacted in a lot of different ways. Are you passionately seeking Him? Are you chasing Him? Are you pursuing Him? Do you want Him to be a part of your life? You see, folks, sometimes I think we need to take a step back. And I think we need to be real realistic and real honest with ourselves. Because sometimes church just becomes a gathering place. It becomes a social endeavor. It becomes something we do because we like it. But let me be honest with you. <laughs> it's not always going to be like that. Sometimes it's going to be the last social place in the world you want to go to. Sometimes you're going to feel like everybody's against you. Sometimes you're going to be discouraged, you're going to be down, and you don't want to see those people, you don't want to talk to them. But let me tell you this, my friend, are you earnestly seeking the Savior? You see, if you're passionate about it, you're willing to suffer everything, you're willing to give all, you're willing to endure shame for the cross of Christ. And tonight I'd ask you, how would you react to Christ? Would you passionately seek Him? Would you earnestly look for Him? Take your Bibles with me one last time to Matthew chapter number 12. Folks, in our, in our life, we're seeking something. We're in it. You see, everybody here tonight, you're here for a reason. And I'm not talking about you're here because God saw fit. God did see fit for you to be here tonight. 
but I'm saying you personally are here for a reason. You have a personal interest for tonight. Maybe some of you are looking for, for, for comfort. Maybe some of you are looking for encouragement. Maybe some of you are here just because it's what you do. Maybe some of you are here because you're, you're, you're looking to be offended. Amen? I mean, sometimes, I, I don't know why you're here, but you're here for a reason. There is a specific, I can't say it, a real reason for you to come tonight, and in your heart of hearts, you know it. Let me very simply ask you, is it because you earnestly seek him? You say, well, 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 if I wasn't here, you'd call me, Pastor. <laughs> this is probably true. But folks, in your heart of hearts, why are you here? You see, why do you claim the name of Christ? I hope it's because you seek him. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, as he often did. The chapter starts out and the uh, disciples had eaten some corn and on the Sabbath day, and of course the Pharisees saw it and they hated him for it and did everything they could. In verse number 4 of chapter 12, it says, How he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, speaking of David, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law, Jesus is speaking here, how that on the Sabbath days, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless by offering the sacrifices and so on and so forth. But verse number 6, he says, But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. If you go with me over across the page to verse number 38 of Matthew chapter 12, Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall be no sign given it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. You see, folks, what, I, what I'm trying to get you to see here is, see, they, the, 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 the Pharisees said, oh, they, they ate and they, they profaned the Sabbath. Jesus said, oh, David profaned the Sabbath. He said the priests every Saturday profaned the Sabbath. He said there's one greater. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. And he said there's one greater than your temple here. And then they, they looked and they said, well, show us a sign, Jesus. Show us you're really the Christ. Jesus said, no way, guys. He said, I give you the sign of the prophet Jonah. He said, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. And he said, there's one greater than Jonah here. Continue on. Verse 42, the queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation, the queen of Sheba, and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. You see, folks, what I fear is that we're going to end up in the same boat. You see, oh, we want Jesus, show us wisdom. Show us a sign. Jesus, do this. Jesus, do that. I want something from you, Lord. I want. And Jesus said, guys, I'm not going to give you anything special. <laughs> Just seek me. 
Seek me while I may be found. You see, folks, our problem is that a lot of us have the same disease the Pharisees had. Either life is a game, or it's a ritual, or we're in it for our own benefit. And tonight I'd encourage you, folks, let's realize we need to earnestly seek him. Jesus said, guys, don't you realize <laughs> this temple? It's nothing. He said, I'll tear it down and rebuild it in three days, speaking of himself. He said, Jonah, the prophet, the man who saw the entire city of Nineveh converted, one greater than he is here. He said, Solomon, the greatest king, wise, rich, he said, one is greater than he. And folks, they ignored it. And I wonder in my own personal life, if Christ were to come, would I even notice? You see, a lot of these people, folks, do you know what most of the Jews believe today? Anybody know? Do you know what the Jews are still looking for, the majority of them? The coming Messiah. The coming Messiah. I was talking to Brother Harding when he was here. Most of you know this, but the Jews, as far as the Bible is concerned, the Jews are only interested in the Old Testament. But they also read the New Testament. Do you know why? Jews are very educated on the New Testament, more educated than most of us are. Do you know why? Because of Christians who are tourists. And they want to know so they can talk intelligently to the Americans when they come over and get their money. And I thought, help us. <laughs> but folks, let's be honest. How are we reacting in our own personal lives? And I'm not pointing at one finger tonight except a finger right here. Because I had to stop and think. Why and what and how would I react if he were to come? If I had been in their shoes, and we are, we're harsh on them, and I think justifiably so in many instances, but how would I react? Kind of convicted me because I thought, you know, Lord, sometimes I'm guilty of these things. Sometimes I fail real, real, real badly. Sometimes I fall short, and I don't seek you like I need to. Folks, although Christ may not appear physically, Christ does manifest himself in many, many wonderful ways to us as Christians. Every day the Bible tells us his mercies are new. His grace and his love are beyond comprehension. His goodness to us is without measure. And yet I, I wonder, do we truly see it? During the testimonies tonight, do we see it? Sometimes when we have testimony time, and I'm guilty of this, I have to think, did anything good happen this week? And I'm not getting on you that didn't say anything. I know some of you are shy and don't like to, to testify in front of people. One day you'll get over it. God will make you get right up in front of everybody in heaven and say it. I'm kidding. I don't know if he'll do that or not. But folks, I kind of wonder. Sometimes we get so caught up and say, well, what did he do good this week? 
Folks, he manifests himself in so many ways. Am I earnestly seeking him? Because if I'm passionate about knowing the Savior, I'll notice it. I'll see it. And I'll realize it. And tonight, let me just encourage you to think, how would you react if Christ were to appear? Oh, I'd fall at his feet in worship, would you? Would you if he was in the form of a man? Or would you do some of the things we talked about tonight? My friend, let me encourage you. Let's fall in love with the person of Christ. Let's pursue him. Let's desire to know him. The power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. Let's know him. Folks, do you know, <laughs> what's, what's the power of Christianity? Say it again. We find, yeah, there's joy, but, but where's the power? The gospel. To be more specific than even that. Find it in the word of God. You know who that is? That's Christ. Christian, do you know where you find the power of God? In knowing Christ. That's where it is. It's not in a religion. <laughs> it's in the book. And it's just, you know, it's not in the words of the book. It's in the word. And we miss that. We just are so educated that we miss it. And Jesus said, guys, <laughs> one greater than Jonah one greater than Solomon, one greater than the temple is here. Wake up! And they shut their eyes and they said, "What? Wait, <laughs> we've always done it this way. Christian tonight, fall in love with Christ. Seek Him. Know Him. And my friend, if you do that, all the things that God can do in you. Let's go and stand to our feet, every head bowed, every eye closed. My friend, every bit of, as Brother Leo said, the joy, the strength, the comfort, the love that you need in your life. And I don't, every one of us is in a different spot and we're dealing with different things. I know that. The help for depression that you need, the, the help, the daily strength for your job, whatever it may be. Dealing with the worry and the frustration, maybe dealing with the hurt or, or, or the, the, the body pain. I don't know what it is, but my friend, I'm going to tell you this tonight. We must passionately seek him because he is the answer. He is the one that can give us what we need to get through it in our life. You say, Pastor, you don't know my problem. I don't need to know your problem tonight. I need you to know Christ. That's what I need. That's what you need. That's what we all need. You say, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I do know him. Friend, let me encourage you, please. Don't treat life. It's not a joke. It's not a game. Christianity isn't a ritual. It's not a rite. It's not something we just go through and mindlessly follow it. And for heaven's sakes, my friend, don't, don't be in Christianity for your own benefit, for what you can steal from it, so to speak. No. You be in it because you earnestly seek him. Seek him as the shepherds did. Seek him as the wise men did. And my friend, what a wonderful thing he can do in our lives.
Heavenly Father, I pray that during the invitation, and Lord, I wish I could have done this justice tonight. I feel so incapable. But Lord, I pray that you take your word and take the truths and help us to realize that in our own lives, if we truly are a person who has received Christ, we have one that is greater than the, the temple of old. We have one that is greater than Jonah, one that is greater than even Solomon living in us. Help us to realize that. Help us to seek a relationship with you. Oh, Lord Jesus, I ask this. I ask this in your wonderful name. Amen. As the instruments begin to play, if the Lord's laid something on your heart, you come to the altar. Friend, how about it? How about it tonight? You say, boy, I, I know I need to... Folks, you have to know Him. Know Him as your Savior, but know Him as your friend. let me encourage you. We, we got to know him. And let me say this. Folks, I hope you come to church and I hope you feel encouraged and I hope you feel comforted and I hope you feel uplifted. I also hope the Holy Spirit of God touches your heart about some things in your life. Amen. Folks, I really do. But sometimes I find myself just doing what I'm supposed to do mindlessly. I don't want to do that. I want, I, I want to read my Bible because I love him. And I want to hear from him. I want to pray and I want to feel like they're getting through. Amen? 
because I love him and he loves me. I want to come to church because I'm in love with Christ and I'm in love with his people. And I know sometimes you've got to do it even through, through frustration and hurt. I understand that as well as the next guy. But folks, I want to fall so in love with Christ that I do what I'm supposed to do. Not because I have to, but because if I didn't, it would hurt me because it hurt him. That's what I'm seeking. I want to know it. And my friend tonight, let's realize what we're really in this for. Is to walk with God. Not to impress Brother Dahl or Brother Kozlowski or Brother Moore or Brother Roseboro. To know him. And to fall in love with Christ. What a difference it would make. It would revolutionize our lives. It would revolutionize our Christianity. It would revolutionize our church to fall in love with him. Let's be dismissed with a word of prayer. Folks, thank you for being here tonight. Don't forget about Wednesday night, and then please don't plan on being here Thursday. You will thoroughly.